In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, there's a race going on. And uh, I want to know, though, are you in that race? I can answer that question for you if you're saved because you are in the race. Now, you might not realize that uh, you're in a race, but you're in one. Because the race that he's talking about here, uh, that uh, we need to run with patience and uh, the race that is set before us. So we're in a race. If you're saved, you can depend on it. And the second fill-in is real quick, and that is run the race. Run the race. Um, now, since you're in the race, then run it. Don't just stand around. I mean, if you were, you, if you were in the, one of the races downtown, and uh, you wouldn't just stand there at the starting point. You'd start running. You'd want to try to see what you could do. And that's the way it is in this race. We're supposed to be running and running in the way that God would have us to and to do what God wants us to do in doing that. Um, I, I, you don't have to be the fastest one in the race. You don't have to be. Uh, I've seen people uh, show pictures of them on television and they're coming in and they might have been the last one. But I read about this one happened in New York and Manhattan in uh, 1986. And uh, it, this fellow ran and uh, his name was Bob Whelan. And uh, it took him four days, two hours, 47 minutes and 17 seconds to run that race. Now he was kind of slow, but he ran it. But you know, the secret to it was that uh, 12 or 14 years previous to that time, he was in Vietnam and his legs were blown off. And he was running with his arms actually. He sat on a little pad that weighed about five pounds and he had uh, pads on his, on his uh, hands and he propelled himself uh, with his arms. Took him all that time, but the thing about it is he ran the race. You don't have to be the fastest one on the track, but if you're in the race, run it. Make sure that you do. We're not in a car race and so you don't have to be first. The third fill-in is run with a purpose. Know why you're running. And the only way you'll ever know that is to get into the Word of God and let God show you what needs to be done and what you need to be doing in your life. You can't gauge what you're supposed to be doing by what I'm doing. You can't gauge what you're supposed to be doing by what your parents are doing or have done. It doesn't matter. It's what God wants you to do that's very, very important. 
If not, then you're running without any purpose. I read about this lady. These two guys came down the street and they're checking meters, water, uh, uh, gas meters. And uh, when they got down to the end of the street, well, the uh, older guy was teaching the younger guy what to do. When they got to the end of the street, the younger guy said, I'll race you back to the car, to the truck. He said, okay, and they took off running. This woman in the, in the house saw them running, and she ran out of the house and took off after them. And they said, what's wrong with you? He said, well, when you see two gas men running, it's time to run too. But she had no idea why she was running. But the only way we can know is to get into the word of God to where he can show us what we need to do. Now, you might say, well, I'm just too old. I'm too old. Uh, yeah, I guess you are. You're just too old. You know what? You're not too old to be a prayer warrior. And when I say warrior, I mean warrior because we're in a war and you're not too old to be a, a prayer warrior. You can, you know, if you haven't already, start your prayer list and get into that. I have one for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday through Sunday. And uh, I pray for different people. On Tuesday, now I pray for my family a lot of times, but on Tuesday is my family. Saturday is Sunday school class. Uh, Friday is our missionaries. And, and all of that time praying for you as a church because I have the, the church role before me. And uh, you ought to make you a prayer list and put on there when you put the name on there or the situation on there that you're praying for. And uh, when you put that on there, put the date and then when it's answered, go over here and put down a date when it's answered. It's amazing. I looked at uh, one of the uh, three, two and a half or three but fives or whatever it is uh, this morning that I had and I have and I use. And I looked at half of that card. I had requests on there where I was praying and had the time when I put it on there, the date when God answered. Half of that card. And I mean, there's scrouds together. I, to begin with, they're separated. Then I put things in the middle. And I've got a lot of things on that three by five card. And you can put a lot. Pray every day. Get on your knees before God if you can and pray. You may be like I can. You can't get on your knees and stay there long. But pray. You don't have to be. So just pray. Um, an old fellow used to come here, dear man, I loved him so much. He didn't stay here long. And that was Brother Hedrick, Brother George Hedrick. That guy was a, a great man. He was one of the greatest encouragers that I had. Uh, <clears throat> he came to me one day and he said, Brother Goss, uh, he said, one of the, the greatest disappointments that I've had in life and the reason was for me that I did it, and that is that I left churches too quick. But he was a prayer warrior. I'd go to his house, and we were going to go visiting or something, and I'd go to his house, and Ms. Hedrick said, uh, you, we can't disturb him. He's praying. He's praying. I'd rather have that guy praying for me than about anybody I knew. 
he was a prayer warrior. It'd be great if God would just raise up some prayer warriors among older people here. Um, you might not be able to saw down a tree anymore and uh, haul off the lumber, but there's one thing about it, you can still do a lot of praying and uh, we need you. Our country needs you. Our church needs you. Individuals need you right here in this congregation. You'd be surprised at what is seated before, after, or sometimes even beside you, people that need prayer. You can be a prayer warrior. But then there are other things that you could do too. You can be short-term missionary. If you retire, be a short-term missionary. Um, go to the mission field, stay a little while, stay as long as you want to, as long as you can. Be down there helping the missionary. You might say, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher. Just whatever God wants you to do when you get there. It might be they want you to do a little work around the house for uh, the, the husband that doesn't have time. It might be that he would want you just to visit with the, the missionary. Might be that, like I've done for the last many years, is just go to encourage the missionary while I'm there. And you can do that. Then you can be a working missionary and uh, go on to the mission field uh, Brother Mark Gage mentioned here on Wednesday evening, I believe it was Wednesday evening, that, uh, or Sunday evening, that, uh, and mentioned a bunch of the men here in the church that he was, uh, he would go for a project that uh, his mission assigned him to, and then some of the men in the church would go. Uh, Jess and Ann and Gary and Lena Steele, uh, they're, they're busy all the time doing the projects that uh, churches want and uh, camps want, working missionaries, you see, still using their trade, their business uh, to do things to help people get the job done uh, where they can reach out in those camps, reach out to hundreds of children, young people. And then you can work here. We had a fellow years ago, a great guy, John Jeffrey. That guy could do anything. He was a railroad engineer. And uh, when he retired, he told his wife, he said, I want to, uh, well, before he retired, he said, when I retire, I want to work at the church. And uh, if you knew, if you knew here, but if you knew the things that he made, you can't get through this building without seeing places in, uh, every, in, in every restroom. Uh, he's got something in there. And in the kitchen, there's something that he's made. He, he had a turn lay, uh, turning lay, and uh, he had everything that you needed or he needed in order to do it. And you can be that. I don't think... Any of us are too old. Abraham and Sarah didn't start their family till she was 90 and he was 100. When you think about all these people in the Bible, Moses didn't start his ministry 
until he was 80 years old, leading the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt. 80 years old. When you think about Caleb, when they went into the promised land, he was 85 years old and he said, I want this mountain where the giants are. I want that hardest place there is. Guess what? God gave it to him. And he gave it to him. He gave it to him, said it's yours. And then he gave it to him because he wiped all the enemy out. 85 years old. I don't think any of us too old. You might say, well, I'm, I'm too young. No. If you're saved, you're not too young. You're in the race. God put you in that race. And you're in it. And you need to realize it. Because it's very important that every saved person run his race. You might say, well, what can I do? There are so many things. Number one, you can pray. You can pray. Just because you're young doesn't mean you can't pray if you're saved. And uh, you ought to be praying. But, you know, there weren't any young people in the Bible. Oh, yeah, Joseph was young. Read about Joseph sometime. See what he did. He went through a lot. Timothy was young when he started following uh, started following uh, Paul around. David was young when he was keeping the sheep and learning about sheep and then eventually wrote that great Psalm, Psalm 23. Oh, when you think about it, you don't have to be old. You don't have to be young. Well, I'm busy. That's who God wants. Busy people. He don't want anybody just laying around not doing anything. He wants somebody that's busy. So let's all get in the race and run the race that's set before us and let God's will be done in our lives. And uh, we, we can do it. And we need, I'm not trained. Well, you might not have gone to Bible school, but I tell you what, I was a soul winner before I ever was called to preach. I hadn't been trained either. I remember being with a bunch of guys and, and I told them, I said, I'd like to know how to lead somebody to the Lord. And uh, so this fellow, uh, they began to spurt out verses of scripture and I began to write them down. I had no, uh, that just didn't go together at all. I've looked at them. I still have that little old New Testament. I wrote, I wrote them in and had no sequence to it at all. Finally, um, I heard somebody talk about what you're supposed to do. And I've heard a lot of people talk about what you're supposed to do. And I've taken all of that and all of it and put it together. And I've, I've got my own way of doing things. And you can do the same thing. You can do the same thing. Finally, plan to finish the race. Plan to finish the race. Tim, sit down here on the second row, our oldest son, was in the race uh, uh, Ironman. He's supposed to swim 2.4 miles. He's supposed to ride a bike 112 miles. He's supposed to run 22.2 miles. 
He trained a year. Had uh, in at least two cases, I know, he had uh, with the swimming and uh, with the, uh, uh, the running, he had, he had a trainer that helped him for a solid year. And he got in that Ironman race and he ran, uh, he swam his uh, 2.4 miles. He ran his, uh, rode the bicycle 112 miles. I had no problem, he does that all the time anyway. And then he was supposed to run 26.22 miles. When he got to 10 miles, he began to cramp up. At 20 miles, the authorities stopped him because they said, you've gone far enough. He was 6.2 miles away from winning the Ironman race. And I said, well, Tim, what happened? He said, I didn't take my electrolytes before I ran. And that is uh, something that's very, very necessary if you're gonna win doing what he was doing. He did everything right except for one thing. I didn't, didn't win the race. And I was sad for him. I'd love to have known that he, he made it, but because he neglected that. Salt and nutrients is what it was. He didn't get it. So plan not only to run the race, but plan to finish the race. I read about a fellow back in uh, 01, 9, 11. His name was Al. He was on the 105th floor of the first uh, building that was hit by the plane. And he knew there was no escape. So he began to talk to and pray for the people in, in the uh, office with him. And there's about 50 people. He'd been witnessing to them. They'd made fun of him. They'd done everything they could do to, to get him to shut up and he wouldn't do it. He continued to witness. He didn't take the time to call his wife. A lot of the people did, but he didn't take that time. He witnessed to the people in the office. And he asked a secretary, said, you call and tell my wife when we get out of here or you get out of here. She called another um, switchboard operator and, and told her to call his wife. And they didn't do it for a month. At the end of that month though, this lady happened to see the note and she called Al's wife. And she said that, Al said to tell you, you and his son Christopher, that I love them. And, uh, but there's no way we get out of here. And I know it, but I've been witness to these people for years and now they're listening. Had prayer with them, every one of them made a profession of faith in Christ. He finished the course. And folks, we're not finished until we get over the line. And that's either death 
or when Jesus comes. We haven't finished our course. So let's make sure that we do what we need to do in order to finish the course that God has put before us. Thank you.